Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of She's an Artist. Once again, I'm your host, Sarah Brown. This week, we're going to be talking about creating social change through art. And I'll be talking to two different guests about it. Uh, Jessica Blank, who is a multi-hyphenate artist. She's a novelist, playwright, director, actor. She pretty much does it all. And then I'll also be talking to Layla Jarman from the Women's Voices Now Film Festival, which focuses on showing films that promote women's issues. You can head on over to the Women's Voices Now website to stream over 300 films relating to women's issues right now. So I hope you all go on over and check that out. But for now, I'd really like to get into this topic of how art can create change in this world and what evidence have we seen of it creating change i mean i want to go all the way back to when laramie project first premiered and judy shepherd she has really been a vehicle for creating hate crime legislation and also the play laramie project as a whole has been performed all over the country uh They even made a movie about it. It has done a lot of things and I think really prompted a true discussion about uh, hate crimes and how they do happen way too often here in America and have been continuing to happen even through uh, this day and age and even though we feel like we have come uh, a really long way. Art, I think, can also keep us in check and go, okay, like, how far have we really come? And what are we doing as people who have the power to create this change? What are we doing in our actions? Um, And then I'll also be talking to Jessica Blank about her show Exonerated, which was about death row inmates and the processes that they went through and... um, how there's a lot of injustices in the prison system, which we are just starting to see the veil lifted on that. So again, I want to go back to what you guys think. Do you think art really has the power to create a change in this world? And what's the evidence that we've seen uh, with certain plays or art pieces that have sparked a nationwide or worldwide uh, conversation? Um, So I want to talk about Exonerated for a hot second. Because that's a very interesting topic to me. So the whole play was about inmates. Yes, exonerated um, death row inmates. So yeah. at, we spoke to people after they got out. Okay, after they were mm-hmm. released. Okay. And they were, um, like, exonerated from death row. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, um, I guess, clemency, is that what it's called? Well, so there are a, a whole... Exonerated is not a legal term. Okay. So there are actually a whole bunch of different legal yeah. things that can happen that result in exoneration. Mm-hmm. Clemency is one. A full pardon is another. Yeah. The case being dro- overturned and then dropped is another. So mm-hmm. the legal system is kind of funny about it. But, oh, yeah. But basically, we traveled around the country and we spoke to people who had been on death row, who had been wrongly convicted, mm-hmm. sent to death row, and then later freed amidst overwhelming evidence of their innocence. Okay. Um, so that place, crazy how long it's been since it was up in New York now. It's like, oh, man. Um, but it was, so in 2000, I had just moved to New York, and I was going to acting school, and I met this boy, and I thought he was kind of <laughs> cute. 
and I was already like a big lefty activist, whatever. Oh, yeah. and I I um, invited him to a death penalty conference. Okay. Um, on a date. Oh. He likes to say that it was early enough in our relationship that he would still do do whatever I asked him to. <laughs> so he came with me. And um, we were in a gr- in a workshop at the conference on a group of cases called the Death Row Time, which are okay. a, a group of cases in Chicago, um, guys that all had confessions tortured out of them by a particular police commander who was found to have done that and fired. And he actually later was prosecuted for it and has since died. Um, but at this point... He'd been found to have done that, but these guys were still sitting there in prison, and some of them had no other evidence against them, right? And if some of them were on death row. So we heard a lecture about the cases, and we saw some, like, sort of 60-minute style documentary footage about it, sort of journalistically structured. And it was all very disturbing, but really on an intellectual level. But then the organizers had set up a call from one of the guys in prison, and they hooked the cell phone up to a speaker so that for a few minutes he was speaking to us in the room. And... The call only lasted a few minutes, and he was just really telling the basics of his story. But by the time the call was over, everybody in the room was in tears. Oh, well, yeah. Right? And Eric sort of, Eric looked around the room, also in tears, but he was also like, you know, this is kind of like, this is BS. Like, we're at a death penalty conference. Like, Mm -hmm. this room is full of activists and defense attorneys and clergy and, like, Mm -hmm. people who already care. Yeah. These aren't the people who need to be having this experience. And Mm -hmm. we started literally writing notes to each other in the back of the classroom about, like, how do you get around that problem of preaching of the converted. And we were both really – he's an actor. Mm -hmm. And we were both really interested in documentary theater as a medium. I was, like, a huge Anna DeVere Smith fan girl in college. I'm obsessed with her. Um – and he had, Eric had crossed paths with Moises Kaufman in the, he had been in New York oh, yeah. working as an actor for 10 years already, and they had crossed paths, and Moises was at that point working on Larry Me Project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we sort of both had that on the brain, and in that conversation, we came up with the idea to travel around the country, interview exonerated death row inmates, and make a play from, construct a story from the interview transcript. So... Um, neither of us had any idea how to do that. Like, yeah. we were like a couple of kids. Like, yeah. we really were like, Okay, let's do it. So I find that very interesting. Uh, A lot of these art pieces and a lot of these projects uh, are seen by people who already have the same opinion or who are already aware of these injustices or these problems that we have in our society. And most of the time are already working towards creating change. And I feel it's very important that a lot of these pieces are also shown to people who don't have the access to uh, this information and maybe don't feel the same way and can use it as a tool to educate themselves. I find that that doesn't always happen. So I really admire Jessica and her husband for thinking like that because a lot of times, you know, especially in this theater community in New York, you know, we all want the same things. And a lot of these plays that we see, yes, they invoke a conversation, but they don't necessarily invoke a change because most of the time we're already working towards that, like I said. So I think it's definitely important that more types of people see these shows that are geared towards change. More people who don't know a lot about the death penalty or don't know a lot about their laws in their own state uh, see something like this. And I truly think that's very important. So let's go back to see what uh, Jessica talks about further about Exonerated. Like, 
the thing that was really the most important is that, you know, when I first started out, when we first got the idea for the project and I was first starting out as an artist in New York, I, I, I had always been, like I said, politically oriented mm -hmm. and, and an activist and, you know, creating change and doing good in the world has always been a really important thing to me. And I also knew I wanted to come to New York and go to acting school and mm -hmm. I knew I was a theater geek and I knew that that was what I loved and what I felt passionate about, but I had a lot of doubt about it because I, f I felt kind of guilty. Like I felt like it was selfish of me, right? Okay. I felt like I should be off doing relief work somewhere, yeah. right? Or like helping people in a way that's very tangible and was yeah. very clear. And I had this idea that like, maybe art could be used to actually create change, mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure if that was just wishful thinking mm -hmm. and like something that I wanted to believe in order to like justify the fact that I was not off doing relief work somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was where I was at when we started the project. And then over the course of the next few years, I got this incredible education in the fact that art can actually create tangible social change. While the play was running in New York, Governor George Ryan of Illinois, who was a pro-death penalty Republican governor, but who was concerned about the epidemic of wrongful conviction mm -hmm. in the state, he had already declared a moratorium on executions in Illinois. Okay. And he was about to leave office, and the two candidates running to replace him had both said they were going to lift that moratorium and start executions up again okay. if elected, right? So Governor Ryan was in this situation where he had... You know, he had appointed a commission to study the issue and they had come up with like all of this information about all the problems and how mm -hmm. you could fix them and almost nothing had been done to fix any of them mm -hmm. and he was going to leave office and this he knew everything about how broken the system was. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do anything, right? Yeah. And except that the governor has a power of clemency and so he announced that he was considering commuting the sentences of everyone on death row in mm -hmm. Illinois to life in prison. Okay. Before he left. And there was a huge controversy about yeah. it. People said, you know, not all of these people are innocent. You can't treat these cases all the same. And it was like mm -hmm. this big brouhaha. And he was talking to experts on all sides of the issue for okay. months. And he asked for the play to be performed for him as part of his decision-making no process. Way. And we brought it on a Monday night. Don't tell Actors Equity. But the actors <laughs> all really wanted to do it. They all really wanted to do it. Yeah. So we brought them all to Chicago. Uh-huh. And... We did a command performance mm -hmm. for Governor Ryan and 50 death row exonerees and a bunch of members of the Illinois State Legislature, which I still don't know to this day uh -huh. whether he was there, but Barack Obama was an Illinois State <gasps> Senator who was very involved oh in this conversation, so it's quite possible. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, Governor Ryan stayed for hours after the play talking to all the exonerees who were in the audience and listening to them. And mm -hmm. he did wind up commuting those sentences before he left office. And he has said publicly that the play was a factor in his wow. decision. Now, we don't claim to take credit for that of decision. Course. We talked to hundreds of people. It was like a whole process. But mm -hmm. even to just be able to be involved in that process and mm -hmm. part of that conversation in a way that affected over 100 actual lives yeah. was like, okay, yes. Right? Uh -huh. Story can create real social change. Oh, for sure. And we yeah. got this huge lesson in like how it's actually done mm -hmm. because it doesn't just do it automatically. Oh, no. But ever since then, in our, especially in the documentary theater work, we wrote another play in 2008. We went to Jordan and interviewed mm -hmm. Iraqi civilian refugees and did a play called Aftermath based mm -hmm. on those interviews. We're working on another one um, that's a commission for the public 
right now that's based on interviews that we did with um, survivors of and surviving family members mm -hmm. of the miners who were killed in the 2010 Upper Big Branch mine disaster in West Virginia, and mm -hmm. Steve Earle is writing original music for wow. it. So, you know, we do this documentary stuff, and then we do other stuff, like we, we just wrote a... Um, we wrote and directed a feature film that just premiered this past weekend called mm -hmm. Almost Home that's based on my first novel that's fictional, but it's mm -hmm. about gutter punk homeless kids in LA. Mm -hmm. And um, we also have done like non-social issue work. Like mm -hmm. our, we wrote a play called How to Be a Rock Critic that's adapted from the writing of the rock critic Lester Bangs and we're working uh -huh. work. Like mm -hmm. our, we wrote a play called How to Be a Rock Critic that's adapted from the writing of the rock critic Lester Bangs and we're working oh, on a film version of that now. Okay. Um, so it's not all sort of explicitly issue oriented. Yeah. But it is all transformative, right? Mm -hmm. Like our aim is to transform consciousness with story always. Yeah. And, and every... Thing that I or we as a team have written, we're always sort of iterating how do you do that, mm -hmm. right? And so, and now some of those story tools I'm taking into other realms, into the political mm -hmm. realm, and working with candidates and nonprofit leaders about as a consultant about like how do you actually use because narrative is like a very trendy mm -hmm. buzzword right yeah, now of course. and there's a lot of people who are doing really important and great academic work on sort of how narrative works but like I think that the people in political and nonprofit worlds need to hear from us as artists because it's like our bread and butter yeah right like if oh, we yeah. can't make people cry we're not doing our job <laughs> oh yeah you know of what course. I mean so yeah. and like actually there are crafts things and yeah. skill-based things that are not just about quote-unquote talent which yeah. I don't believe in yeah. uh, that you can use to move people mm -hmm. so I'm a little evangelical about those tools I and love spreading it. them everywhere and then you know and practicing them in my own work okay so after hearing Jessica speak about all of those issues and uh speaking about what she does what do you think so far do you think that art is capable of creating a change in this world. Uh, like she said, her goal isn't always politically motivated or issue related, but I do believe that art can change the mind, can sometimes change your thinking, uh, especially when it's through storytelling because, and as we segue into our next guest, uh, because storytelling is that easy consumption. Uh, it's, I find personally that when you're hearing a story play out or seeing it play out, it's easy to digest uh, for the everyday consumer of art. And that's why I think art can have such an impact on these types of changes be specifically for those reasons. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and more with Layla Jarman of the, of the Women's Voices Now Festival. So everyone, please welcome Layla Jarman. So Layla, you work with Women's Voices Now. You're one of the founders of the festival, basically. Is that... Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm the creative director of the organization, which mm -hmm. is the umbrella is Women's Voices Now, and I um, came in about almost four years ago now to um, sort of be the voice of, of filmmakers because it was a film-based organization, but it had a lot more ties in academics and, and activism, so um, I came on as kind of a filmmaker in residence and helped revamp um, our website and our mission and our goals and our reach and also to change and shift um, the way that the film festival 
worked when I first started working with Women's Voices Now, which was established in 2011. It was initially an organization to give voice to women's rights and women's issues in the Muslim world predominantly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so we still do feature those stories and films and, you know, uh, articles and things like that, but we've broadened it to the greater kind of global struggle for women's rights. So we okay. advocate women's rights through film in a variety of ways. So what are the top issues that uh, the films you get are about? What are the top issues that I guess other women think that they're facing today? Sure. So we, we get a lot of, I mean, we have films from last year, I think we had films submitted from 175 countries, um, from men and women filmmakers alike. We, we don't sort of discriminate. It's um, in some countries like Iran, for example, it's a lot easier for a man to uh, tell a story about a woman's issue um, than it is for a woman to direct a film. So we have it's difficult um to navigate. So there's a lot of places in the Middle East, for example, where we get a lot of uh, women's rights films and very female forward films, but they're generally from male producers. Um, so the films cover all kinds of topics. We, we have experimental category. We just started a youth um, filmmaking category, narrative and uh, documentary, both short and feature length. So films cover topics from you know, everything from matriarchal societies, you know, in China to justice and the legal system, challenging stereotypes, sexuality, reproductive rights, um, leadership, uh, you know, cultural practices that might be harmful um, to women. And, mm -hmm. you know, mainly the kind of her story um, spin on um, on women's rights. And we, we tend to see that women from... Afghanistan and women in Los Angeles, you know, while the, the, the sort of presentation might be different, um, we're all struggling for, for the same kinds of rights. We can't judge that one is more important than the other. Um, it's a global struggle and we're stronger together. So that's sort of our mission and motto with the festival is to kind of bring together um, all of these diverse voices from all over the world to show that, you know, the sisterhood is strong and there are allies and these stories need to be told. We also kind of pride ourselves on um, sh showing and uh, featuring stories that would otherwise not have a voice. You know, we, we've had lots of opportunities to make the festival more prestigious in the sense of like, you know, uh, fancier films, shinier films, more expensive films, but it's really difficult to, to kind of buy into that Hollywood glitzy festival uh, attitude when we have women in, you know, Saudi Arabia sending us films secretly that, you know, they're maybe shot on an iPhone or they're, they're done with photographs and with no budget. And we want to kind of be able to uh, uh, weave together those kinds of films as well as the more um, experienced and, and, and shiny films to give an equal voice to women everywhere. Um, I think there's a lot of people who don't have any opportunity to um, have their stories amplified. And we try to kind of fill that gap and um, bring together a really diverse and unique set of voices without being um, you know, judgmental about the format. It's more about the content. And if the content is strong and the story is strong, uh, we, we sort of promote that over the aesthetics. So what do you guys think about that? I think that's really amazing that this festival is showing the voices 
uh, of all women and really helping uh, their stories get out there on women's rights. And I think women's rights are a very big issue right now. I think, uh, you know, there's especially here in this day and age, uh, you know, we have some pushback from the government and from other people and it's a constant fight and I do believe you know Layla says this later on but you know we're all in it together uh this is one big sisterhood and we need to support each other and we need to celebrate everyone and support everyone I also think that it's really great that they're accepting uh films in all formats without being judgmental like Layla said because you know not every movie of the utmost importance is gonna be fancy and have the this like crazy editing or whatever. I think it's only important that they get their message across and that it's going to people everywhere and people are listening to it and watching it. It's it's uh, it's more prevalent than um, you would think. I mean, it's it's, it's very uh, you know. There's when we get films like last year, we had a great film called uh, The Women of. It was about like women. I wish I could remember the name of it, but. It was called Women Fighting ISIS. It was basically about women in Syria who have created these coalitions who are fighting ISIS, you know, which is something we don't hear about in the mainstream media. We don't, you know, we, the, our media is so slanted, and especially now, um, it's so difficult to get true stories from, you know, the horse's mouth, so to speak. Oh, of and, course. And allow these people to tell their own stories because it's, you know, we're not this kind of, white savior organization trying to use these stories for anything other than than what they should be used for we want to empower and uplift and give um, a space for people who would have otherwise no opportunity to tell um, you know a unique story like that so yeah i do think what layla is saying is interesting and i think she's right you know a lot of the media that we come across is very tilted uh not so much partisan in a way but again we're not seeing the whole picture we're not seeing uh a lot of things that are going on in the world and you know women voices now festival uh, is helping people see uh, what's going on in the world, what's going on in our own backyard. Uh, and these stories are really important. All right, so let's see what else Leila has to say. Yeah, I think that that's actually kind of what, entirely what we believe in. And mm -hmm. We believe that um, there's film has this unique, and mm -hmm. we believe that... Um, there's film has this unique and beautiful quality that it can move people from empathy into action. And we're always trying to bridge that, that gap because, you know, everyone can watch a film on Netflix. Um, but you know, if you watch a film on our website, which we also have, um, an online sort of streaming archive of everything from the auteur filmmaker to the woman in Afghanistan I was talking about where you can watch these films for free anytime you give us your email address and that and you can watch them um and you know on our website when you watch a film there are links to how you can get involved with the project that is behind the film or how you can learn more about it we're always trying to connect conscientious creators as well as viewers and audience members um to see if they are you know intrigued by an issue how they can become more involved and we get emails all the time from people who've seen a 
film and, and want to do a screening in their community or, you know, all over the world, people um, do share our films from our archive, which are films that have been in our festival. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's little by little and we can't change the world by one film, but we can start changing, changing the way that we watch these things from just being voyeurs and just seeing oh, here's a glimpse into the life of someone realizing we actually have a lot of power um, in the United States and we have a lot of power to even share a story gets to the right person. It, it gets seen by the right people. Um, change can really occur that um, Hollywood is trying to accomplish, but that's also because Hollywood is run by white men. So oh, of course. It's white males. So mm -hmm. we're not really, you know, we're not really going to break those, um, those boundaries quite yet. But I think it's, it's really cool to go to the movies and see trailers for, for films, uh, of like various ethnic diversities that they're not, um, that they're for general consumption because mm -hmm. for a long time, Asian films or Indian films or black films were for, you know, those audiences specifically. And um, I think that that's sort of starting to cross over a bit. Um, I don't think we'll see any of the real uh, uh, fruits of, of these uh, um, initial bits of labor for another like 15, 20 years, though. Yeah, of course. Um, film, actually. And so uh, people can enter this festival now, right? And you're accepting entries currently? Yeah, submissions opened on uh, September 10th, mm -hmm. and they're open until January 31st. So we had like our early bird deadline first, um, and now the next deadline is January 31st. And, and um, we do all of our, our submissions via Film Freeway, and all of this information can be found on our website, which is womensvoicesnow.org. Um, awesome. All of the information, the criteria and everything is on there. And again, you know, we're very um, open to working with uh, students and people who don't necessarily have the funds but want to um, get their voice and their work out there. We're also, for the first time this year, will be the first, or 2019, will be the first <laughs> festival where we do a in-person, because it's an online film festival, mm -hmm. but we're going to do an, uh, an in-person event in Los Angeles with panels and um you know, kind of all-day events celebrating the films that win the festival and um, having conversations around the films and creating kind of an advocacy event uh, for the winning films and getting, you know, people who are powerful in the industry here um, to come and talk about and celebrate uh, not just the films from the festival, but to discuss and talk about issues that are facing women and women's rights um, locally and globally. That's awesome. Well, I think what your festival is doing is great. And I think we need more of that. I think it's so, so important now and forever that everyone gets a chance to tell their stories and that everyone gets a chance to create their art in the way they want it to, because that's what this community is all about. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry we had like all these scheduling issues, but I'm so glad like it finally oh, worked okay. out. Um, great. I, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to share about the festival. And I hope that, um, anyone who's interested will apply and also just explore our website, um, for, for all the different ways they can get involved. Um, you know, we have an online publication and we have, um, you know, 
all kinds of opportunities to get involved with women's rights and advocacy. Um, so yeah, I invite everyone to visit the website, submit your films, um, send us an email. Uh, we always like to hear from people and also watch films. We have 300 plus films online um, available to stream for free from all over the world, films from past festivals, and um, they're all free. So we encourage and invite everyone to engage. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a good day. I hope it's nice and sunny in Los Angeles because it's definitely raining and pouring here and gloomy. So I hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day and thanks again thank so you. much. Thank you and sunny. Perfect weather. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone. Well, that's all I have for today. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of She's an Artist. Once again, I'm your host, Sarah Brown. I hope you take this time to subscribe to me on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And if you want to know more about me and keep up to date with everything She's an Artist, you can head on over to She's an Artist Podcast.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Patreon, which is all She's an Artist. So once again, keep creating and keep telling your stories. That is more important now more than ever. Hope you're all having a great day and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye.